John chapter 10, please rise for the reading of God's word. This is a communion Sunday morning. It is my desire, it's always our desire and our prayer that this will be preparing our hearts, this message for communion. Sharing of the, 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 the bread, which represents Jesus' broken body. Sharing of the cup, which represents his blood. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Anyone else? Anyone else need a Bible? Okay. John chapter 10. We're going through John chapter 10. Chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Verse 27. This is Jesus speaking. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. That's where we... We finished off last week. Actually, we finished off off in verse 28, but let's continue now. Then Jesus says in verse 30, I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him, and Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said you are gods. If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the Father sanctified, which means set apart? Do you say of him whom the Father set apart and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I'm the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Let's pray. Lord, I, I praise you so much, Lord, because... Every time we open your word and expose our hearts to your word, our hearts, Lord, by your grace, our hearts can soar, S-O-A-R. They can soar like an eagle. Lord, We come in here this morning from many walks of life. Some of us have hearts that are soaring already. We praise you for that, Lord. 
It's a great place to be. Others are anchored down by the world, by the flesh, or by the enemy of their soul. Whatever the case, Lord, we ask when we leave here this morning, our hearts are soaring like an eagle. We're like on eagle's wings soaring because of your grace just lifting us up, Lord. And Father, I, I just pray that not only for our church, but every church in the city, which is as Jesus himself says, that is teaching that he was set apart by the Father for the salvation of people, Lord. Every church in Boston that is teaching that, that 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 same work, that you would accomplish it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So verse 27, Jesus speaking, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. What does that look like? Or better yet, what does that sound like? My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. When he's talking about, when he's talking about hearing my voice, not talking about an audible voice here. It's not talking about that. This is talking about what happened to you When God first made himself real to you, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 describes it as the, when the eyes of your heart were first enlightened, your heart just opened up. Your eyes opened up, your mind opened up. When you realize in a way that you never did before that God is real, God, you, you know me. You're calling me to, to yourself. You're, you're, you're real. You are so awesome, God. And, and, and thank you for making yourself real to me because I need you. I need a savior. I need this salvation that I'm hearing that I can have through your son. I need his perfect life to take the place of mine. I need his death to take the place of my death. I need his life, his resurrected life to help me. I need him, God. Your son, Jesus, I need you. Jesus says in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, they follow me. And that, in some shape or form, it's different for everyone, is what it looks like. That's what it sounds like. As, as God, through his word, usually through the words of the Bible, uh, speaking to your heart, and he made himself real to you, and you follow him. In verse 28, he continues. So those who hear his voice, those who followed 
him, he says, and, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. And so when you had that experience where God was made real to you. Some of you, you may have only been three or four years old. Others uh, a, a little older, other a teen, others uh, an adult, where, where the Lord said, he, he, he just spoke to you through his word and you were able to say, God, you, you do, you know me, you're calling me to you. I, I need you, Lord, I need, I need a savior. It says to those in verse 28, at that moment, as your heart, your heart, it began that wonderful journey of following him. And in verse 28, it says, at that point, Jesus said, you were given eternal life. That point, that first point that you took that step in your heart, that step of faith. Verse 28 says, I, I, I gave you eternal life and you shall never perish, verse 28, neither shall anyone snatch you out of my hand. Meaning your salvation, your standing in heaven is secure. Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, calls him that great shepherd of the sheep, what verse 28 is saying is that he will successfully shepherd you into eternity and it is impossible to lose your salvation once you have landed in the hands of your shepherd. That's what it says. If you were not here last week, that's what the, the message was about. And then, and then if, if that's, doesn't make you feel secure enough. Then he says in verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. And so not only can you not be snatched out of Jesus' hand, Jesus, God the son, you can't be snatched out of the father's hand, Jesus says. And, and, and you, it's a curious verse. I mean, how can I be in Jesus' hand and, and in the Father's hand at the same time? Uh, some people think that it's sort of the, 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 the picture of the Father is holding your left hand, Jesus is holding your right hand. I've always more thought of it as I'm in Jesus, I'm in the palm of Jesus' hand, and then the Father's right over him. But if the truth be told, really, uh, this is a, a, a statement of, of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it's a mystery. But Jesus knows in verse 29 People are wondering the same thing. What do you mean I'm in your hand and the Father's hand at the same time? He knows, he knows what they're thinking. Um, those people, these people who are listening to him right now, and that's why he says in verse 30, I and my Father are one. 
and just responding to him. He knows their thoughts. I and my Father are one. And then it says, in verse 31, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Wow. Jesus answered them, many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? Was it bringing back the nobleman's son from the point of death instantly? John chapter 4. Is that why you're trying to stone me? Was it making that lame man walk, John chapter 5? Is that why you're trying to kill me? Was it feeding 5,000 men with five loaves and two fish, John chapter 6? Is that why you're trying to stone me? Was it opening the eyes of a man born blind, John chapter 9? Is that why you're trying to kill me? Some of you this morning, you're really, really frustrated with where you're at. In life. Man, it seems like every time you start walking down one road, you get a slam door in your face, and then you start walking down another, you get another slam door, another, a closed door, another, a door looks open, it's closed. You're really frustrated. You're in a relationship. You never dreamed the relationship would be like this when you entered into it for the first time. It's just been uh, one long road of frustration or it's been one long road of frustration because you're not in a relationship. And you have begun to throw stones at God in your own thought life. Surely, surely this is not what I signed up for. Or... You're just spending the better part of your day just complaining and frustrated with where you're at. Well, I have news for you. In the book of Exodus, it makes it really, really clear. When the Israelites were complaining to each other, God came to Moses and says, they're not complaining against each other. They're not complaining to you. They are complaining to me. And some of you are throwing stones at God in the same way. It's just in your own thought line. And God's, God's speaking to you this morning. And he's saying this. Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of these are you throwing stones in your own mind towards me? All those times I made myself Oh, so real. All those times you came to me and said, please, God, please, God, please, God, please, God, I'm so lonely. And I brought you friends who would fall on a sword for you. Please, God, please, God, please, God, I I need money, and I gave you money. Please, God, I'm so depressed, and I gave you joy. I need a job, and I gave you a job. I need need to pass this class, God. I'm going to fail it. 
But you didn't. You passed it. Uh, I need a car. You got a car. I need a place to live. I gave you a place to live. I need a friend. And I gave you five, all of whom you know. They treasure you and they love you. God, I'm so anxious. Remember when you said that? Please, God, please, God, please, God, I'm so anxious. I'm so stressed out. I made you lie down in green pasture. I led you beside still water, and I restore your soul. Please, God, please, God, please, God, I am so filled with shame and guilt with what I just did, and I brought you to the cross where I opened your eyes and you saw and you understood and your heart embraced that all your shame and guilt was laid upon me and taken away and I gave you peace for which of these things are you throwing rocks at me in your mind? God's speaking this to you. Some of you this morning. It is so important, brothers and sisters, that when we get up in the morning and we open the word of God or whenever it is for you, that we remember those works that have come our way, that have come your way from the Father. That we just put down our stones and say, God, you're right. Again, verse 32, Jesus answered them, many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? Verse 33, the Jews answered him saying, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy and because you, being a man, make yourself God. referring to where he had just said, I and my father are one. So Jesus responds in verse 34. He answered them, is it not written in your law? And then he quotes the Old Testament. I said, you are gods. Verse 35. If he called them gods in whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken. Underline that, by the way, that's a sermon of itself for another day. And the scripture cannot be broken. Verse 36, do you say to of him whom the, God, whom the Father set apart and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I'm the son of God? So this is, a, this is why we go chapter by chapter through the, through the Bible because some verses, hmm, you read them, okay, what's he, what's he talking about? And so that's my job, to try to explain it to you. And then after I explain it to you, you can go yourself and just test what I say. I mean, this is a strange verse. Uh, in verse 33, again, they, uh, Jesus, well, previous Jesus says, I and my father are one. They pick up stones to stone him. He says, why are you stoning me? For which good work are you stoning me? They say, it's not for a good work. It's because you being a man make yourself God. Jesus in verse 34 says, is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, well then, why is it a problem 
that I am calling myself the Son of God, the one whom God the Father sent into the world. What's he talking about there? Well, he's referring them. What he's doing, he's bringing up the word. Now, one thing that I have just really learned the hard way (laughs) over the years, when you're talking to someone, anyone about God, quote, Scripture. Don't summarize it, or don't, rather, don't always be summarizing it. Make sure you get the Word of God in there, because the Word of God is living and active. Your opinions aren't, or rather, even your summary of the Word really isn't. It's the Word of God. And so what he's doing here is giving this hostile audience, he's giving them the Word of God. And what he's saying, he's referring to a couple of passages in the Old Testament. They are on the obscure side, but by the way, this is why we go through chapter by chapter the Old Testament at Calvary Chapel, and we're still posting the messages online as we uh, figure out a a midweek date for our uh, Old Testament teaching through the Bible. But he's referring to a couple passages in the Old Testament where judges in Israel or governors in Israel are referred to as gods. And they're referred to as gods in the sense that they're representatives of God, meaning when the judge comes out with a pronouncement or the governor, God is working through them as if they are gods. So verses are rather obscure. There's one in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 86. There's another in Exodus. It's either Exodus 20 or 21, Um, but he's telling them what he's saying to them right here is, you know, interesting, you don't question when men were referred to as gods in your law, how is it now that you're questioning with everything that you have seen and heard for me of whether or not I'm the son of God? And again, another reference to the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons, but one God. And then he continues. He says in verse 37, if I do, if I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Jesus is saying, look, I've told you who I am. I've told you. You've heard. And so I'm just going to briefly run through a couple of the things um, that he told them. Uh, In John chapter 5, verse 21, he said, For as I've told you that as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. I've told you that. I've told you. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgments to the Son. I've told you that. I've told you, John 5, 25, most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. I've told you that. 
John chapter 5, verse 39. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. I've told you that. I've told you I am the bread of life, John chapter 6, verse 35. I've told you I'm the light of the world, John chapter 9, verse 5. I've told you I'm the door, John chapter 10, verse 9. I've told you I am the good shepherd, John chapter 10, verses 11 and 14. I've I've told you these things, and I've told you, as I've told you right now, that I and my Father are one. I've told you these things, and you do not believe me. Well, listen. Even if you don't believe my words, please, please, Believe the works that I have done. Now remember where this conversation began. It began in verse 24. Look at verse 24 of chapter 10. It says, this is what's going on now. It says, then the Jews surrounded him and started asking him questions. He was surrounded by a hostile audience, a circle. That's what's going on here. And, 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 and again, uh, what did they ask him in verse 24? They said, they surrounded him and they say, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. So again, what Jesus is saying here is, I told you and you do not believe. I've told you I'm the light of the world. I am the door. I'm the good shepherd. And you're picking up stones to stone me. I've told you these things, but I tell you what. Even if you do not believe the things that I say, would you be willing to believe the things that I have done? Would you be willing to do that? Now, mind you, he's talking to people who are about to kill him, or so they think. Now, oddly enough, Jesus said almost the same thing to John the Baptist. And to some of you this morning, he's saying the same thing to you. Look, okay, you're in a place of unbelief. You've been listening to the voices of the world. They've been seeping in. If If you don't believe what I say, remember what I did in your life. To John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11, um, uh, John had come, uh, had sent a couple of his disciples because he was getting discouraged. He was in prison. He was hearing uh, things from Jesus such as, blessed are the poor in spirit, love your enemies, be kind to those who are ungrateful and evil. And he's thinking, that's not the Messiah that I remember being promised in the Old Testament. Many of the Jews didn't understand that Jesus had to come once to die And then the next time he would come to install his kingdom. They were just looking at the second coming of Jesus, which of course uh, Jesus promised. is the last thing he talked about before he ascended into heaven. But John the Baptist sent a couple disciples. He was in, in, in prison and he said, look, are you the one or are we supposed to wait for another? And this is what he said in Matthew chapter 11. Verses four and five, he said, you go tell John what you see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. (sighs) 
I don't want anyone to leave here this morning without this verse having saturated you. I want this verse, verse 38. I want it to become a living, breathing part of your understanding of how much God loves you. Again, verse 38 says, though you do not believe the things that I have said, Believe the works that I've done in your life, that you may know that and believe that the Father is me, is in me, and I in him. I want that to be a part. I want that to just be a part of who you are before you leave here today. Let me give it my best try, but it's going to be the Holy Spirit that does it, not my words. My words just bounce off the wall. Again, Jesus is speaking here to a group of men who have surrounded him and they want to stone him. And he's saying to them, he's saying to those people, look, even if you don't, Believe the things that I've told you or the, the things I'm saying you now. At least believe those obvious miracles that I have done in your presence. You saw, you knew the man that was born blind. You knew that man and you knew him. You knew his parents. You knew the people who knew him and now he sees. Even if you don't believe what I'm saying now, believe in the works that I have done, that you may know that the Father is in me and I in him. Think about that. That's, that's the love that God has someone who's an enemy of him. An enemy. The Bible says, even as we were yet enemies of God, uh, Jesus died for us. I love the verses in Luke. Luke chapter 13, verse 4. Put this up a couple of weeks ago. Jesus and by the way, these are the last words right here. This is the la- these are the last words that people Jesus gave in Jerusalem, verse 38, of his public ministry before coming in four months later, and he's coming in to be crucified. Verse 38 are the last words. Though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. The next time he comes in, right before, uh, it's Luke chapter 13, verse 4, and this is four months after this verse 38 was uttered here, John 10, 10, verse 38. Next time he comes into Jerusalem, this is what he's saying to Jerusalem. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. And then the, 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 the next verse in Luke, I just love this. It shows Jesus' heart for, for even for those who hate 
them. Even And, and, and listen, to you, you, you don't hate him, but you're doubting him. You are doubting him. And in your, in your mind and in your thoughts, you've been throwing stones. What is this Christianity business? What did I sign up for? It says that Jesus said, as he's coming into Jerusalem, it says, now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. Saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Why does God talk like this to anybody? Why would God say to anybody, to you or these Jews who are about to stone him or anyone else. Why would he say, even if you don't believe me, believe the works that I have done? He's God. You're not supposed to talk like that when you're a God. Man, that's why we open the word of God because that is how God talks. That's how God loves you. He's saying to you this morning, listen, I love you. I came to live and die so that you uh, could die and live with me for eternity. I've come to give you life. If you're reading the word of God and you don't believe the, the things that it says, at least believe the works I've done in your life. You know full well I have made myself real to you. You know that. Pause and reflect. You know I've had my hand on your life since you were a small child. You know that. If you're, if, if you're having a hard time now believing the things that, are, that, that you're reading in the Bible, remember, you know how real I've made myself to you. You know that for well. Listen, we're going to have communion this morning, but before we get there, I want to circle back to verse 28. Verse 28, this verse which is just so filled with controversy, (laughs) where Jesus says, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Why is it so controversial? He's saying, once you're saved, you are always saved. And always the problem with that that people have is if you say that to someone, if, if, if you teach that to a congregation, they're going to think, oh, I'm all set. I can go out and just go hog wild. And just live and do whatever I want, regardless of what the word of God says, because my salvation is secure. I got my fire insurance. You know what the response to that is? The response to that is, wait a second. Take a look at verse 38 and what it says. Would a person who really understands this verse 
And they do if they received the Holy Spirit. They do if their salvation is real and they've, filled the whole, they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. They've gotten that deposit, which is promised to everybody who Jesus gives eternal life to. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will lead them into all truth, meaning an understanding of the truth. They will understand how much God loves them. They will understand that he loves them in such a way that, wow, even when I'm in a fog and a place of, uh, of doubt and despair, even when every molecule within me is not, is not believing this stuff, God is there, right there saying, listen, I know where you're at. Remember the works, the good works I've done in your life. A person who is really been saved, who's really been given eternal life by Jesus, will have an understanding of how much God loves them, and they're not going to go out and live like that, at least for any length of time, because if they do it for any length of time, they'll be miserable because they know their Father in heaven loves them. They know that the Father sent His Son to die for them. And they'll come back. And so, yes, your salvation is secure. It's secure because God loves you this much. And as you walk with the Lord, as you seek the Lord, as you grow with Jesus... You understand more and more how much he loves you. And that's not the type of man or woman who's going to go off and just do anything they want indefinitely until, they're, you know, until the day that, that, that they die that uh, is against the word of God. No, they're going to be following him. And when they fall, for any length of time, they're going to come back. So if the worship team could come up now, we're going to close with communion. And, and man, I, 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 woman, <laughs> we, this is, this is the, the objective of, of teaching on Sunday morning and hearing the word of God and learning is so that by the end of the message, we'll be in a place where we're worshiping God. Remember, we, were, we talked about that in John chapter uh, 9 at the very beginning of the chapter, uh, you have a blind man, born blind, and uh, Jesus heals his sight, and then gradually his eyes start opening up to Jesus, and by the end of the chapter, he's bowing down and he's worshiping. That's the objective of gathering here at Calvary Chapel in the city, so that we're worshiping. By the time we, we, we leave the service, and so communion is part of that worship. We're remembering through the bread it's the represents the body that was broken for us we're remembering the blood the Jesus that was spilled out and it, and it, and it fully covers our sin the Jesus died so we wouldn't have to we remember that we remember 
his faithfulness that, wow, even when we're in a fog of despair and doubt, he's always faithful. He's always, he keeps me in the palm of his hand and none shall snatch them out. I can't lose this place of security that I have, this deposit that the Bible says has been put inside my life is a down payment that Jesus paid that guarantees my place in heaven. That's what we do in communion. Remember, it was, we remember it was not anything that we can ever do or have ever done or ever will do. It's, it's the broken body. It's the blood. That's why we have communion. If you've been asked uh, to pray, if you could come up now. The Bible says before a man or woman takes communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul says, before a man or woman does that, it, it says, let them examine themselves. Because communion is a sacred, sacred thing. And the last thing we want to do is take it lightly. And you know how we take it lightly? We take the cup and we share the bread when we're holding on to something that in our life that we know that the Word of God says is, is a sin. We know that the Word of God says that is a sin that otherwise, if Jesus didn't die, we would have spent eternity in hell if Jesus didn't die. You don't want to go have communion if you're holding on to that. And, and oh man, I don't like saying this, but I have to because this is what pastors do. If you are holding on to it, please don't, don't have communion because it says in those same verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if, if you do, God's going to chasten you. He's going to discipline you. He's going to judge you. But, but better yet, just let it go. Just let this thing go. Of course, I'm not talking about sins that we've done during the week. You know, you're coming to, 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 to church this morning in the car and you're, you're yelling at your kids, what are you doing right there? And you realize, I'm not talking about that, those kind of things where, where you've said, oh God, I'm such a bad parent, forgive me, forgive me, Lord, and you see the grace of God. I'm not talking about things that we, the Bible says we, we sin and stumble every day, but it also says if you sit, when you sin and stumble every day, he's faithful and just. We can just confess our sins to him and he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm just talking about something that you're holding on to. Don't do it. Don't go to the communion table with that. God's freed you from it. The Bible says that Jesus died not only to pay the penalty for sin, he resurrected in order to give us power over that sin. So if there's something that you're holding on to, maybe you need prayer for it. Come up, let's pray. Let's pray. This is a family of God. While, we're, um, while the worship team begins, you can come up and pray, or, and we can just pray through it. Or, maybe that's not where you are, but you just want to pray 
before we have communion because something that was said this morning from the Word of God has stirred up your heart. You're in a fog. You're in a fog of doubt. You're in a fog of despair. You're in a fog of frustration. You've been throwing stones at God or someone else in your life because of frustration that you're having. And you just want prayer. That's the time to do it. As we're reflecting on God's goodness prior to prior to communion. So, uh, yes, you can come up as we begin to worship.